0: Hello, this is Scott Pierce with the American College of Radiology, and I'm here today joined by Dr. Larry Muroff, CEO and President of Imaging Consultants, Inc. Tom Greeson is a partner at Reed Smith LLP, and Tim Barrett, CEO of Radiology Associates. Thank you, gentlemen, for for joining me today. Nice to be here. Today we're discussing uh, practice integration, something that I know is becoming more and more prevalent topic on radiology and radiology practices' minds. Uh, So let's first start with why is integration becoming increasingly common amongst radiology practices, Dr. Miroff?
1: Well, it's certainly becoming a more common topic of discussion. I don't know if it's much more common. I think still it's the norm for practices to stay independent as they had in the past. But certainly we're seeing a lot more uh, merger talk and actual Mergers occurring. And there are a variety of reasons for this, but simplistically, there can be broken down into two facets. One, protection, or the provision or obtaining of of services that a smaller group couldn't otherwise uh, provide. And then the other category is opportunities, whether it's the pursuit of new business or the uh, ability to align with a hospital system. Protection on one hand, opportunity on the other, in my mind, are the two driving forces of integration. And this is
2: Tom Greeson. I, I would add to that that I think one of the driving forces is the growing complexity, growing regulatory and payment complexity of the radiology business these days. It's very hard for the prototypical small radiology group to really have the kind of uh, management and billing expertise that they need to respond to the changing reimbursement challenges with PQRS, with MACRA, with APMs, with uh, MIPS. Uh, So consequently, radiologists need to find a way to have the kind of resources in order to have the kind of sophistication in those management billing services. And getting bigger is one strategy for doing that. Uh, There are many other reasons that may drive uh, radiology groups to either try to become partially integrated with other radiology groups or fully merged with other radiology groups. But I think the need for increased management and billing sophistication is one compelling reason.
3: And this is Tim Barrett. And to add to what Tom just said. Uh, a way to achieve and to garner those resources is you need a certain amount of scale. Some of these smaller practices simply can't muster the resources in order to achieve those things.
1: Yeah, well, that's basically what I meant by the protection aspect of integration.
0: Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. Well, and integrations can, as you talked about, take many forms, whether it's a merger or a partial or, or however in a partnership. So can you talk a little bit about the spectrum affiliations available to practices and some of the more compelling reasons practices might seek to integrate or merge? We did, we covered some of them I think in that.
1: Well, I'll talk about the spectrum. I mean, uh, people think of integration as a full-fledged merger, but they can be as, uh, an integration can be as simple as buying services from another entity, such as uh, buying night call coverage from a teleradiology company. So. That is the uh, one end of the spectrum. And then you can progress from there and join with a joint venture uh, to provide services or capability. And people, again, think of joint ventures in terms of diagnostic imaging offices, but they might be uh, the integration or the affiliation of several smaller practices to provide call for each other. So instead of having to be on call once every four days, uh, they're now on call once every 12 or 15 days. Uh, Then you can progress from there to a a merger that is uh, phased in with an out clause as sort of a uh, uh, living together before you get married. And then finally, uh, there can be a hard and fast merger either imposed from an outside source such as a hospital system uh, or initiated by the radiology groups themselves. Uh, So the spectrum goes from just purchasing a service all the way to fully integrating. And obviously there's an advantage uh, to having one tax number and that is that entity can then negotiate as one voice uh, for third-party payers.
2: I, I completely agree with Larry's uh, spectrum of integration options. Uh, what I would add is uh, one of the issues, and I think you may be asking about this, Scott, one of the issues that we will be uh, always wanting to address is to the extent that that, that new, new entity or that new relationship results in a desire for those that are part of this integrated activity, this integrated entity, uh, to be in a position to together, collectively negotiate with payers, negotiate for hospital contracts. Uh, The more integrated they are, the better. The more they are focused on quality issues, uh, issues relating to improving uh, quality of health care. In that circumstance, the antitrust enforcement agencies have made it very clear that to the extent that they are focused on those kind of joint activities that promote the quality of healthcare, for example, uh, the antitrust enforcement agencies consider that activity to be pro-competitive, and they are not likely to challenge those kinds of activities. To the extent that the, these uh, uh, activities are loose affiliations and are designed just for the purpose of trying to negotiate a payer contract, for example, those are more apt to being challenged by the FTC or the Department of Justice.
0: insight. Great. And so when a practice is looking to integrate and uh, move forward, what are some of the pitfalls or challenges for them to keep in mind when considering a merger or affiliation? And then what are some of the key things that they can do to avoid those?
1: Well, uh, certainly to my way of thinking, and I like things in simple uh, boxes so that they're more easily uh, understood and attacked and solved. So to me, there are two aspects. There's the, uh, the professional aspect of a uh, merger, the accountants, the legal aspects of it, uh, and then there are the cultural aspects. And quite frankly, and I, uh, I'm sure everyone will agree who's been involved in these, the cultural aspects are by far the more difficult ones to solve. And the, most important. and the most important ones, and I and I think that uh, these should be addressed first to see if you can even get along with these other people. Do you have the same work ethic? Uh, do you have the same approach to service? Uh, are you willing to standardize protocols and to standardize reporting and to uh, to do things the same way, or I- at least? as close to the same way as possible. And you'd be surprised how difficult it is for seemingly intelligent people to fail to agree on what an outside observer would consider to be a simple problem, uh, the amount of vacation, the way of choosing vacation. Now, once you have gotten a head start on the cultural things, then I think you need to make sure you have knowledgeable advisors. And that means a knowledgeable healthcare attorney, a knowledgeable uh, uh, accountant, people that have done this before so they're not learning on you. And then I'd like to throw out for both Tim and Tom a a concept that's important to me but uh, seems to be more controversial. And I think that there always should be an exit strategy, uh, in these uh, mergers of affiliations of any kind. And the reason for that, uh, and the reason it's controversial is people say, well, if we have an exit strategy, then people will think it's you know not for real or you're not committed. But the problem is sometimes laws change and force a uh, disintegration of whatever the entity is. Uh, we were in a joint venture with our hospital. And the referring physicians, and along came Stark. We had to unwind it, there was no provision to unwind, and it was a mess. Uh, sometimes it's not laws, but it is it is the hospital system that might say, well, you're either working for our hospital system or not, but you're not going to be working for the hospital system across town. So for whatever reason, there may be external factors mandating an exit. And I think if you think about how you're going to unwind, if you have to, you're far better off than doing it under the shotgun.
3: We found in our case that uh, having that exit strategy clearly laid out and articulated in the agreement took some of the edge off of that. It was, this is how it's going to unwind, should there be a trigger, internal or external, and that that took the edge off, and we found it very helpful.
2: And I, I agree with both of you that, that contemplating how one would enter and how one could exit a, a venture like that an in integration is important. I would also add, in terms of pitfalls, just to say the two principal antitrust issues that one has to consider in these kinds of integrations is to the extent that uh, radiology groups are involved with other radiology groups and engaged in activities that are partially integrated. Uh, Unless those entities are carefully structured in a way that actually makes sure that they are focused on the kind of uh, value related healthcare quality types of issues, uh, they face the potential of being challenged when they begin to negotiate prices with payers or with hospitals or imaging centers. They face the potential challenge of uh, being accused of being involved in price fixing activity, and that's a very difficult. Uh, antitrust issue to defend because there's no, uh, no, there's no reasonable defense to it. It's considered to be a per se violation of the antitrust laws. And then on the other side, with respect to the, the complete integration, uh, once you formed a, uh, formed a, uh, a complete financial and operational integrated facility operate under one tax ID number, that entity really is not going to face price fixing challenges but the the uh, principal antitrust issue there is whether the consolidation of two groups, particularly if they're in the same market, uh, would have uh, the kind of market power that would make would be considered to be anti-competitive under the uh, antitrust laws, and consequently would be challenged. We see this a lot in hospital mergers. You see the antitrust agencies stepping in and blocking uh, hospital certain hospital mergers. On, a, on an ongoing basis because they feel that those hospital systems once they have integrated would have just too much market power and could uh, could influence prices uh, in a way that would not be uh, to the in the best interest of, of patients and, and payment for their services
1: the, the one other thing that should be important for your podcast listeners and I would uh, welcome Tim's input uh, it, even if you're fully merged. There are two types or two basic categories of merger. One is a divisional model where each of the practices retain to some extent their culture, uh, to a larger extent their profit loss centers and therefore their ability to compensate their members uh, different from other uh, divisions in the merger. And then there's the fully integrated uh, uh, merger where basically everyone is treated the same, governed the same, and uh, compensated basically
3: the same. And I was curious how your merger is structured. Our affiliation was along the divisional model that you described. And we essentially both did two practices together. So there's still a lot of autonomy in the two different divisions. Uh, in terms of financial reporting, compensation, uh, and decision-making. So in in our particular case, that model worked very well for us.
1: Now, sometimes one is used to be a step into the other. In other words, we'll try the divisional, uh, but there are many problems with the divisional model as well as benefits. The benefits, of course, is you feel comfortable, you have your same leadership, your same way of doing things, uh, but problems can occur in terms of jealousy among the, the various divisions or how do you handle new business initiatives? Uh, am I stepping into your territory or not? Uh, even my health care attorney may be different from your health care attorney. I, I personally believe that for even divisional models, you ought to have An overarching uh, structure, you ought to have the same attorney, the same accountant, the same revenue cycle management entity, Uh, then you can have your diverse cultures, but uh, it's amazing how different uh, these mergers or integrations uh, seem to be.
3: In our particular case, we do have, we have a lot of common ground. We had a common attorney, a common CPA. We went to a common building company. It, just the timing of all that really worked out well for us. But there are uh, the division model has some downside to it, and one of it is uh, very hard to predict and a little bit hard to manage. And that is sometimes it's, uh, the unknown. I don't know what's going on uh, as fully in the other division as new was in mine, and that unknown can create. Um, some perceived problems that may or may not even actually be real problems.
0: Well, and it's clear hearing uh, Tom, obviously as, as, as a lawyer and, and getting into specifics in terms of what you need to be aware of for antitrust laws and price fixing. And then obviously Tim, you've been through this. You're also uh, an accountant, a CPA and understand the financial aspects. It underscores what Dr. Murph was talking about, about making sure you have the experts that are on board that understand what you're doing in order to help guide this because you don't want on the job training when you're going through something that is as fundamental as this, that could very really actually impact your livelihood as far as that's concerned. So I want to thank you all three for taking the time to join us today. If you have any uh, parting advice or words it's great but otherwise, thank you very much. This has been very, very insightful.
2: The only thing I would add is that uh, every situation is different. Uh, I think Keith Chu made a comment this morning in one of the sessions that uh, when you go in to look at a radiology group or a couple of radiology groups that are considering something like this, there's no cookie cutter, no real uh, unchangeable, immutable template that would actually lead to the integration. Obviously, you want somebody who has, uh, working with you, has experience, having gone through this, but every situation is different, and these things can be very challenging. You have to, what I found, and you probably found in your merger, is that there's a lot of problem solving, and there's a lot of back and forth and, and, and try to, uh, particularly on the operational issues, uh, trying to find a way to actually deal with those issues and find a way to move forward.
3: And I will uh, want to make one final comment, and it was to underscore something Dr. Mural said earlier in the conversation, and that was culture. Don't underestimate the impact that has. And in our particular case, we went through a great deal of due diligence leading up to this. And it was helpful to have the CPA firm and the lawyer and all that as common. Um, we did not spend enough time on culture, didn't know enough about how to maybe uh, assess the culture and and were there any differences in what you might have done with them. So that's something that we managed post-merger, if you will, versus pre-merger. And uh, doing another one, if we ever do another, any type of affiliation, that, that will be high on our checklist.
0: Great. Thank you very much. Appreciate it.